Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to the IDFK podcast, or welcome to the IDFK podcast. If you are new around here, please don't mind my sleepy girl voice right now. I <laughs> did not just wake up, but uh, I'm just I'm just sleepy. I'm just a sleepy gal. Anyways, um, hello, welcome to the, the podcast. My name's Christina. I am your host. Um, this is a podcast all about shit that goes on in our 20s. Today's episode, we're just going to rock and roll into this bitch because it's a good one. It's full of a lot of information. We discuss post-grad uh, depression. We discuss mental health and millennials. Uh, we go into anxiety, depression, and how it's developed through the ages and social media. Basically, this is a whole talk with my aunt, who is a therapist. So no, you're not just listening to me talk shit. This is real stuff. So I really hope you guys enjoy this episode, and let's just get right up into it. So today okay. on the podcast, we have my aunt, my Theodina. She is um, my favorite aunt. For <laughs> I'm so, any family who hears this is going to be salty if they are not if they're an aunt anyways <laughs> whatever um yeah my theodina she's been uh, a therapist for how many years is that 10 years now basically yeah yeah just about 10 years yeah mm-hmm. and I, you studied at ucla uh she's done the whole I, you have so many interesting stories um of your work in the field and i thought it would be really interesting to kind of pick your brain about mental health because it's something that like you and I have had conversations about, but I feel like uh, anybody listening, I think it's something that is important to kind of start a conversation about. So today we're going to be discussing mental health and millennials. Um, you kind of introed yourself already. If there's anything else you wanted to add in, I can you can go ahead and say it and I can you know cut them together. Sure. Um, yeah, just thanks for having me. I really... Uh it's really great to be on and I long time listener, first time <laughs> caller in. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so I'm a therapist. I've been doing therapy for about 10 years now and I work uh, exclusively with like, with about, we call uh, emerging adults. So uh, 16 to 28 year olds is my niche. Um, and I really like that population for lots of different reasons. Um, I've been working with them and their families. So, um, often Christine and I have conversations, so it's fun. I appreciate you call it. Let me, uh, us having this chat here. And yeah. Pick my brain. Yes. I'm like really excited about this. So I think the first thing I wanted to kind of ask is what are some typical questions regarding mental health that you get? Like, cause I know. A lot of people around you always come to you because <laughs> you're the therapist of the family, especially. <laughs> we all ask you kind of questions. So what are some, yeah, just like the typical questions that you get? Um, a lot of the time I get, uh, is this normal? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and um, my response is, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and so... Um, I think mostly what people want to know and, and do is get reassured. And so that's typically what I get is a lot of questions about should I, can I, will I? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that comes out as like anxiety a lot. Um, and I think, you know, we're in kind of a shaky part of our time. Yeah. So I think that comes out um, yeah. in a lot of different ways. Um, I think it just depends on the day. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. And then is there, are there any like taboos about mental health that you see come out a lot within your sessions? 
Mm, what do you mean by that? I guess in the sense of like, let's see, like maybe harmful like stereotypes that you see, like people um, maybe not wanting to own up to them having specific illnesses or diseases, if that makes sense. Like, is there resistance to people wanting to come to the conclusion that there is something wrong? You know, not so much anymore. I think maybe when I first started, it's interesting. That's an interesting question. Uh, Not so much anymore. I find that um, teenagers are really smart and resourceful and they look things up and they have connections. So they often will come to me and. you know, I think, like, capable of things. And I think once you've hit a therapist or any sort of helping adult um, who has kind of a background in this, it's because you've hit the end of your toolbox. You've kind of exhausted all of your resources or the people you know. Um, And so, you know, hopefully we have a little bit more knowledge and some experience and support you. No, that's really interesting because that was actually one of my questions too was what do you make of self-diagnosis forums like WebMD and other online health tools? Like what is your personal opinion about those? Uh, yeah, I think it's just like anything with the internet in moderation and everything's a wormhole. So you mm. will, confirmation bias is a real thing. If you think you have something, you will find something to confirm it. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, that's an important part of understanding the internet as we know it. Um, and I say, refer to your favorite teachers and check your resources and double check and triple check where your information is coming from. And also go to your doctor. That's the first place to start is with your actual pediatrician or with your actual, you know, if you're in college, go to your health clinic. And if you're out of college and in between school, go to your, you know, local ch- clinic that's free um it's important and I think that's a really big thing too is like um there's a lot of people at least that I've known a lot of friends that I've met in college who don't have like health resources or at least they don't think they do and they don't realize that there are free clinics and stuff like that which is something I honestly didn't know about until I actually started researching when I wanted to get into therapy um I didn't even realize that there are like free sources out there you just kind of have to do the research for it um and definitely like the whole WebMD thing It's like you said, totally a wormhole because it's so easy to like Google your three, you know, symptoms that you're having and then see all these things happening and freak yourself out, especially if somebody who already has like anxiety or something. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, okay, yes, that's helpful. And then now, so if you do discover that you have a cluster of symptoms or something that feels just off from your normal, like how you want to feel, whatever your regular is, then yeah, figure it out. Yeah. That's really important. Um, and then, oh yes. So kind of like we already kind of mentioned that you've seen the change within the field of people. Uh, there's not so much resistance, right. To, to recognizing that there is an issue within their, their own mental health. Um, and I kind of wanted to to discuss like older generations, not really talking about mental health. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily a cultural thing or if it's just the older generations didn't really have the resources or the support to recognize when they had mental health issues. Um, but yeah, that's kind of something I wanted to discuss. Do you think that there's 
a reason that it's it was kind of taboo, I think, and now it's becoming something that's more normalized and people are more open to talk about. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of different reasons, I think. Um, I think on like on the most basic level, we just didn't know enough. There literally wasn't the language that we have now from things that we used to say, like split personality and um, shell shock. Those words are now kind of passe. Um, but those are the beginning roots of languages like, you know, a mood disorder and things like that that we now use kind of in language. So kind of we needed to evolve as a culture um, to have kind of dialogue to talk about this and even have a conversation around a dinner table around how we're feeling stressed or anxious. Yeah. Um, so that didn't exist. And then, you know, it used to be a place of privilege to go to therapy, therapy, psychotherapy in its purest form is, is only for the privileged. And it wasn't until, you know, lots of civil rights and lots of uh, different acts came about in the 70s and the 60s and and the 80s that really brought about the this to the masses and made it, you know, kind of more accessible. Absolutely. And that's, so that's another important thing. part to know that. Yeah. And that's another thing too, is like the access to therapy, especially among those who are like lower income. You, I mean, you've worked a lot in the field. So do you tend to see a, a more divided difference in those who have more privilege or those who don't, uh, I guess. So basically those who are lower income tending to have more, uh, like more mental health issues. Does that make sense? Um, it does make sense. Yeah. I think you're asking about, um, like a divide, whether or not, yeah. Whether or not there's a divide upon, uh, Based on, I guess, you know, yeah, exactly. So, no, um, there isn't, and there is, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, Meaning that mental health concerns or issues or, you know, uh, those exist within, across all populations. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been fortunate enough to work with really, really affluent people and, you know, people who uh, work below the poverty line and -hmm. live below the poverty line. So, you know, in my experience, people have stressors of any, all shape, and they affect their lives and how they affect their lives and how they deal with them is important to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of how I, how I approach the work. Yeah. And I so think regardless I of where you come from, it exists. Absolutely. Because I think, because basically me and mom and yeah, yeah, we're having this conversation the other day where mom was like, well, I'd rather have issues and have money rather than have no money and have issues, which like, I get it. But I also was trying to explain that no matter where you lie and like economically, you're going to have issues. And like, there's no one to say that your stressors are less or more than somebody else's just because of your economic stance. Um, And I just, I think that's like an interesting no. Right? Because it's I mean, I, I Absolutely. And I would, I would submit that having the conversation in and of itself is the luxury and freedom that people, uh, you know, that's the difficult part is having the decision 
to say, okay, um, I think, and that for me, that comes to uh, knowledge, right? So having, mm-hmm. just having the conversation is important. So whether you're resourced or not is different, right? We can find resources for people who need them, yeah. or if you have the money, you can pay for it. But if you're not having the conversation, if you're not addressing, like, there's something going on with me, or I need to figure it out, those critical thinking skills or connecting to to resources, that kind of stuff. Um, so it goes back to education, right? Yeah. Education and conversations with the people who you love. Like you address, you talked about your mother and your grandmother. That's three generations of women sitting around talking about something mm-hmm. that's incredibly important and intimate. That's knowledge being ch- passed. Yeah, no, definitely. And that's something I didn't even think about too, is like kind of having, like you said, the privilege and the knowledge to talk about these things. Uh, it's not something that's given to everybody. And especially, um, yeah, just having those resources and having somebody to talk about that isn't going to shut you down or make you feel like, you know, that's something you shouldn't be talking about. That's, it's an interesting point too. Um, right. So regardless that, of money, right. People who, sorry, but just no, people no, no, who yeah, say, yeah. So just people who have money or don't have money, if they don't have that engage in that conversation, then they don't ever address those concerns, I guess, to kind of make that connection. Yeah, absolutely. And then, so I guess this kind of on the same note, um, it feels like, and I mean, I don't know if you necessarily see this as much as I do, because um, I know you're, you're not like on social media as much, obviously, as like me or Lexi or which is my sister. Um, but like, I think I've, I've seen a lot um, within, I guess, me growing up on social media. I've seen a lot of people my age and I guess in the millennial group, uh, people that tend to have depression, anxiety, and it's like a really open conversation, even on platforms such as like Twitter and Instagram. Um, do you think that there's like a a specific reason for that? Do you think it's because of social media that people feel more open to talk about these things? Or do you find that it's kind of like what we said, how the older generations, they didn't really have the knowledge or the resources to talk about these things, um, to kind of tie in, I guess, millennials to this conversation, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I, I think the concept of posting your internal experience and then having receiving kind of likes or responses back, is that what you're referring to? Exactly. Like, I guess having that support, does that, do you think, uh, having that support is, is it because there's a conversation around it, either being toxic or helping those who have like mental issues, so what is your take on that? Um, yeah. So I think of that as a very, it's a very uh, unique conversation to have, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and so uh, you have to look at it like a modulator in my mind. Mm-hmm. So if that part, if that part of your internet use, if that part of your uh, social media stream is excessive, then I wonder about the functionality of that. Like, what are we, what, what's that serving? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think often people are looking to be mirrored for mm-hmm. their experiences to be shared and valued. Mm, yeah. So if I see that and I'm someone in real life, IRL, <laughs> you know, like who loves you, I might like that or I might, you know, say something, but I might also text you. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, I also straddle that line. 
of those generations, like you said. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's kind of what I think. I think when when millennials or you know whatever the next generation is, is when those things get kind of uh, put up a lot, and then people, and then I think the expectation is the invitation is, what will then my friends say? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I so, just think. I think it's I think, interesting to see how social media has um, maybe switched our views on a lot of like, so kind of, I guess, tying this into, because what I wanted to talk about too next is like the glorification almost of like depression and suicide in, in shows like the whole discussion of like, have you seen the show 13 Reasons Why? Or have you like heard of it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the whole conversation around that of being maybe either glorification or some people think it's just being realistic. Um, I think it's, it's an interesting switch to see how social media and just media in general has opened up the conversation around that, but it's also um, almost causing controversy. Like, yeah. So, I mean, what do you think about that aspect of it? Yeah, it's interesting. So in the last topic I, on the tip of my tongue was the word voyeur. Right. So it's this idea of like being a voyeur or being voyeuristic of someone else's experience. Mm -hmm. And that can be very uh, nourishing in a in a toxic way. Mm. So you you can have this window into a part, you know, of your life. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, if you delve into any part of your life that is, you know naughty if you will like eat a whole pint of ice cream you're gonna throw up yeah right so nothing anything in in excess is bad so I think when you look at 13 reasons why is that a good show I don't know I don't know yeah but I don't know that I would want my 13 year old to be watching it right like it's one thing to be having a critical mind I think that's the other two is like teenagers in particular this is why I like this age group but this is why this age group is is funky your brain specifically yours too is changing right uh your brain is changing until you're 25 that part of your brain is growing mm-hmm. so nonetheless it uh it affects that part those kind of images and those kinds of like uh trails onto parts of your in in uh your identity yeah absolutely i think that's really interesting too because i remember like you know hearing I feel like a lot of the people who watched that show were younger. And so that just caused a lot of conversation around it. And there was, uh, I was talking to my friend about it. He was saying, you know, like there was no trigger warnings a lot too. So people just kind of were blindly watching a lot of these things happen without uh, like mentally preparing themselves for it and knowing really what they're setting themselves up for, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're invested, right? It's not like something you, it's like you've invested the hour or the 45 minutes or whatever it was mm-hmm. in the relationship um, and that's a part, I think that's the part that gets tricky is that teenagers are in a place of their lives of development. Um, you know, that it's like, it's called identity formation. Like you're out there figuring out who you are in relation to the world. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's interesting. Cause I feel like in college that was definitely, and even still now I'm still figuring out, but that's like a big thing. Um, me and my friends were talking about this too, is that we're all still figuring our shit out. (laughs) And especially that post, uh, I don't know if you experienced this, but like that post-graduation depression where people freak out because it's like they're hitting the real world and they feel like a lot of people around them have figured out what they're going to do for the rest of their life. And they haven't, Mm -hmm. uh, do you have any, that's actually a good question. Do you have any advice on that? Because there are so many of the people that listen that have just graduated. And I know a lot of my friends are talking about, 
post-graduation depression, which I didn't, I obviously have not experienced that yet, but um, that whole concept of thinking that everybody around them has it figured out. And of course it's easier said than done of saying like, Oh, you know, nobody around us really has it figured out, but like, what's your take on that? What was your experience? Um, yeah. So the idea of purpose comes up for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, you've been working this entire time towards one purpose have been saying to yourself again we just talked about it in information right this who you are you're a student you're an academic you're you what do you study it's almost the first thing people ask you mm-hmm. so then you it's almost this build up for 20 years practically yeah and then you have it and then what yeah it's like so, it's that whole and now what <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's a very kind of, um, it's a wonderful thing to achieve your goals. And then the idea is like then, you know, figuring out what the next stage of that goals is, could be a very daunting task. And I think a lot of people feel kind of stuck in exploring what that next step is. Yeah. And so for you, was I can't, it was after graduation that you traveled, right? So in between undergraduate and graduate school, I took a year off. Um, and I decided then is when I wanted to go into like therapy school. So, you know, I studied undergraduate school, um, got my bachelor's degree and then really didn't know what I wanted to do, um, was kind of in kind of the place you're talking about this place of like, I'm not sure. Um, and so I took a job. Um, and for me, that was important. Um, Mm -hmm. was I took a job. I knew that I liked kids. That was it. Yeah. So I took a preschool job. Um, and then, you know, slowly there, I kind of saw somebody, I was like, oh, that might be something that I went into a grad school program that was aligned to kind of what I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, Got you. And so, I'm sorry, when did you, so are you, okay, something that the people don't know about you, but you backpacked through Europe. When I can't, cause I, I was obviously, I did that. yeah, I did that. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. So then I went to grad school and then I graduated in, like I said, in 2009 and then I backpacked through Europe for six months, um, before I, well, not just shy of six months before I started, um, working full time. Okay. So it was after um, grad school that you did that. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was 26. Yeah. So I guess, okay. So I think my last real question is what is your advice? Uh, just like, I mean, any snippet of advice for, uh, like just millennials or people in their twenties, early twenties, uh, that are still kind of navigating through life, uh, mental health wise, are there any steps besides obviously going to therapy that you think are critical for like just developing into the best versions of ourselves? Uh, yeah, I think, uh, so um, exercising in flexibility is also is very helpful. I find that that seems to be a universal thing that I like to um, support people on is like, okay, you had this idea and it changed. So let's be flexible. So you said flexibility within life. And oh, I yeah. think that's really important because that's something I'm realizing more and more is like everyone around me, I think last year had like five-year plans. And now we're all kind of starting to realize like, oh my God, life comes at you fast and things are constantly changing. And so to hold on to things loosely and to be flexible with your plan and have those end goals in mind, but be being open to like the path changing is something that I've found like really cool. Like that's probably one of my favorite things about life is that it's always changing. And even though things don't originally work out as you planned, a lot of the times they work out better in the end 
Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have any other advice besides that, I love that though. Yeah. Um, I really like where you went with that. I, um, the idea of practicing less self-judgment, I think is always a good goal. Uh, so the less kind of self-talk you can do around that. Um, I think that's kind of in these days, so maybe that's not so new. Um, so I also like the idea of, um, you know, people say like, I have this dream or I have this goal or whatever, set timelines, set yourself some goals. And then also like set some timelines around them. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Um, so, cause sometimes you then look up and, you know, you haven't done what you want to do. So if you want to go somewhere, go figure it out, budget, save, go, um, yeah. you know what I mean? Apply for the job, take the leap. Yeah. You know, it's okay. It's better than not. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Uh, yeah. Cool. And then, okay. So now back to your traveling, um, tell me about how did, did traveling, like did backpacking inspire you to come back with more? Like I told you every time I travel, I kind of come back with more energy and more drive to do the things that I, um, like plan to, and all my, to accomplish my goals. Is that something that you found with when you backpacked? Yeah. I think the wonderful thing about backpacking for me is it gave me the, the gift of perspective Mm. and the idea that I'm small and so small in the context of the world and, you know, the universe and time and all that stuff. Like when you go and things are so much older and, you know, and you're by yourself and you're resourceful and you can do things because you kind of have this experience that's both, um, it's very contradictory. Like in some ways I was very powerful and very strong and I could do things all on my own and kind of conquer everything. And I felt very powerful. And in other ways I felt very small in a very different world and a very different country, not knowing anything. Yeah. Um, and I think the splitting of that is powerful. I think to form kind of insights and creativity for, for me, I came back knowing that I wanted to always work from a place of strength and knowing that people are powerful, even um, at any place that I saw that, you know, people have internal strengths and resource resources. So that kind of guides even now what I do with my work. Um, and that's something that comes from my work, my travels. I love that. Yeah. It, like the whole perspective thing for sure, I think is huge because I remember that's the first thing. I realized, yeah, and, like, you feel so small when you're in these places and there's a million people around you and you realize, like, whatever you're going through, as much as it matters to you, it just puts it in perspective of, like, there's a million, billion other things going on in the world and though your thing feels really big, it's most likely not. It's not, like, something that's going to make or break your life and that puts a lot of things in perspective. And so I love that. That's very, like, self-reflective. In the most free... In the most freeing way, I say this to myself and I say it to kind of anybody who will listen, is in the most freeing way, you're not that powerful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Freely move along your life. Take risks, be flexible, flow up, learn, experience, grow, change. It's all good. I love that. Oh, that was so good. Okay, I think we're going to end it here because that was such a good way to end it. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad to hear it. So I'm glad she cooperated for the end of I it. I know. I'm like very proud of her too. <laughs> so thank you for being on. I think this was such good advice and it was a very good open conversation that I've been wanting to have for the podcast. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for being on. 
You're welcome. And uh, anytime. <laughs> Talk to you on the other side. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, babes, thank you so much for listening. I really hope you got some good info from that. I super enjoyed that talk. Um, Yeah, if you have not already, please, 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 please give me five stars on iTunes. Um, You know, follow us on Instagram, IDFK Podcast. Uh, You can follow me, Kappa Christina. And I think that's all my call to actions. Anyways, have a great week, guys. I will see you next week.